that was really a moving experience as a writer. I love those. It's happened to me a couple of times where I feel like I'm writing something and then it reveals what it is, you know, and not to be too sort of crystal rubbing and mythical about it. But I, I feel like there is something there that's kind of magical when that happens. You're kind of receptive to whatever's happening and then you're open to letting it tell its story. Welcome to the Myth of Fingerprints, the podcast that explores music and the human stories behind the artists. I'm Jonah Luke, your host, and each week I bring you interviews and a song from each of our guests. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and a review. And to check out all of the episodes of this podcast, head on over to jonahluke.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and let's go. Hello, wonderful, wonderful people. I'm Jonah Luke, and it's another sunny 95 degree day in Portland, Oregon. I'm down in my basement where it is nice and cool. And I just spoke over Skype with Benjamin Doerr, the front man for a band called St. Paul de Vence. St. Paul de Vence. It is a small medieval town in southern France that he named this band after, and you'll find out why in this podcast. But St. Paul de Vence is a indie folk band that I've been tracking in the Seattle area for quite a while now. They're a really cool band, a really great sound, and really nice, honest people. The way that this band came about is a, is a really interesting story. It came about when um, Ben, the front man who you're going to hear from in just a second, started writing about his grandfather's life fighting in the Free French Forces in World War II. So he's going to talk a little bit about that, talk about how the band came about, where they're going, and his life on Bainbridge Island near Seattle and Washington. This is a great episode, and the song that you'll hear at the end of this episode is really awesome, so stick around for that. And without further ado, here's St. Paul de Vance. Ben, how are you doing today? I am doing absolutely great, thanks. Awesome. And are, are you on uh, Bainbridge Island? I'm on Bainbridge Island, sitting in my little office here, looking out at uh, my new studio being built, which is pretty good times. Oh, wow. What's that What's that going to be like? Uh, it'll be like a creative... I had a little space before, a little 8x8 eight eight, uh, shed kind of thing, writing shed, and we're just we're building a 200-square-foot uh, sort of creative studio. It'll be... My wife is a graphic designer, and she'll work in there by day, and I'll <clears throat> teach my students in there, and then I'll... Uh, also be able to write in there at night, you know, have a place to work after the kids go to bed and all that. And, uh, and then it'll also be a little guest suite. So it'll be a nice little spot. Cool. That's awesome. Well, let's dive right into sort of the background of how you started St. Paul de Vance. Um, I know this was kind of a project that you started about your grandfather's life. So how did, how did this come about and, and, um, just give us kind of the, the history yeah, so I took a, a course in telling other people's stories um, that was uh, like a radio story class about recording um, and editing radio oh, cool. stories. And it was about, you know, basically telling other people's stories. And I was really interested in digging into my grandfather's past a little bit. And I, he had sort of indicated that he was interested in sharing about his 
experiences in the war and stuff. He grew up in the south of France. He was born in Nice and, um, you know, uh, was growing up when the occupation, when, when the invasion of France happened, uh, Germany and Italy, and then the occupation. And he was, he was a young teenager, um, through those years and then went on to fight with the free French when the liberation front came through with Charles de Gaulle. And so, um, so he had all this past and my grandmother didn't really know much about it. I mean, she knew a little bit, but not a lot. And, um, and my mom didn't know much about it. And so, um, so I was just really getting fascinated and he and I were really close anyway. So I chose him, uh, to talk to, uh, uh with this radio story class and got really awesome recordings hmm. of him telling me, you know, basically we started at as far back as he can remember. We even talked about his family and stuff and then got into the war stuff. And then he said, you know, it'd be really cool if you wrote these stories down in some way and the way that it happened so far, um, was I started writing them into song. Um, and then I was, I had the, my own project under my name, Benjamin Dora's like, you know, a solo project. And I started writing these songs and they were very different from that. Um, and so I just made a little EP three song EP that I recorded and, uh, and played all the instruments on myself. And I liked the songs a lot and I liked the project. And then I went off to France with my grandfather and my wife and my daughter at the time, my older child was born. And we went off to um, France and had a visit in Nice and went up, you know, all around areas nearby and ended up going to St. Paul de Vence. And my grandfather was showing me um, where he slept in this old home, which is now a gift shop. It's a pretty touristy little medieval town, but very charming place. And he showed me where he slept on the stairs, and then we climbed to the top of the village and looked out over over the landscape. And it, I was just like, "Man, Saint Paul de Vence! Like, this is the name of the project." You know, I had no idea it would be a band. I just slapped the name on there, put the EP up on um, up on uh, I guess it was Bandcamp or something, and just said, "Hey, friends, this is like a thing I'm doing on the side." And then a couple of couple of uh, friends fellow bandmates from my solo project uh, came across and started playing those songs with me. And then suddenly we forgot about Benjamin Dore. (laughs) (laughs) We were into St. Paul de Vence and then, yeah, I just really got into that. It just kind of um, snowballed from there. But, uh, but really writing my grandfather's stories came so fluidly and so easily for an album's worth really more because the, the new album has, a little bit of carryover as well. So, um, you know, there's maybe an album of an album and a half of material that just kind of fell out. It was really a cool time as a songwriter. Yeah. Well, before we explore that project a little more, what, how did you become a musician and what were you doing before this project came about? I know you said you got your, you had your kind of solo project as Benjamin Dore. Yeah, I mean, I've been writing songs as long as I've been playing guitar, I guess, which is a, a while. I don't know. I started in the can't even remember sixth grade or something. I found uh-huh. my grandmother's old guitar, and I thought, man, it'd be cool to play guitar. So we got that fixed up, and I played that. And then a friend gave me pieces of an electric guitar, and I put it all together and had an electric guitar. And um, and so yeah, it was a really. I've been playing a long time. I don't know, uh, oh gosh. Yeah, a long, a long time, twenty something years, mm-hmm. and um, 
And I, but it was always like a thing that I loved doing. I played in bands all growing up from bluegrass bands to sort of funky fusiony things, uh, to rock bands and heavy bands and whatever, um, blues band even. Uh, and so I always thought it would just be like this therapeutic thing that I did on the side. And when, when I got married, I even said to my wife, like, Oh, I don't think I would be a musician professionally. It's just what what I love to do. Whoops. (laughs) <laughs> I think she wishes sometimes that I would have held to that. Um, but, it, uh, yeah, I just, I got laid off from a job, uh, shortly after college. I think it was like 2005 or something, kind of my first big kid job. I got laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and my wife said, Hey, why don't you finish that album you were talking about recording? So I dug into that for a few months. I think it ended up being eight months. Um, and cut my first record and then I was hooked. I just, I guess I got the, got the disease of wanting to be a performer and songwriter professionally. And, um, so I went after it and I think 2006, I released that record and I put out two solo records and worked hard at that. And a little bit of light touring. And then, um, and then the St. Paul Devance thing kind of started to fall into place around 2010. So, Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a really cool idea how you kind of started this project around a theme and a subject rather than, you know, a lot of bands are started just around kind of a group of people who want to play music together and, and things flow from that. So how was it? You've, you've talked a little bit about how you reacted to to creating a project around um, your grandfather, but how was the, the outside reception to sort of seeing a band that was more about or not more about, but about this, the story just as much as it was about the people who were on stage. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was also about how the people on stage with me helped to tell that story. But I Mm. think that, you know, it was really fascinating for me to see how powerful the narrative was and, and how sort of timeless this narrative of, of a young man in, in war, you know, it's like, it's obviously relevant to today. We don't think about, the wars today in the same romantic fashion, but certainly there's some romance there and certainly there's some of the same harsh realities there. And, um, so I think it's really, it's sort of a timeless thing, you know, unfortunately. Um, but it also, I think the narrative and the connection, the the personal family connection, I wasn't just telling someone's story, but it's my grandfather's story that seemed to really resonate in a way that I was, I was shocked by, to be honest. I was like, mm-hmm. how does anybody really like, why is anyone interested in this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I slogged away with my solo project from releasing in 2000. If you go from the release of the record, which was probably two years after I started slogging. Um, but I, and slogging is the perfect word. I mean, it felt like, <laughs> you know, trying to run through waist deep water. Um, and it was uh, I did that, you know, 2000. I don't know. Something like five years, you know, maybe, and, uh, five, six years. And, you know, I played some shows with plenty of people there and plenty of great energy and very supportive friend and fan base and, um, you know, sold records and got to do some fun touring and all that kind of stuff, but nothing, nothing with the same sort of fluidity of the St. Paul thing. Like people just seem to really get the narrative and, and, and like want more of it. And, I mean, we played, and then, and I think it influenced the sound that we made as well, right? I mean, you have this story, mm-hmm. 
I think it greatly, I, I didn't sit there going, well, we have to have a, an accordion because it's French and blah, 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 all that. That all happened really sort of organically or very organically, but it was the narrative very much influenced this thing. It's like you were almost, I was almost seeing the sound in black and white and in this kind of like, you know, old world setting. And so that, that had this great um, breath into what I was doing sonically. And then the, the other mates who came along to, to help out were, um, you know, were into it and got it in the same way. And so when we set foot on the stage in the, in the early performances that we did, I mean, some of them in the streets of Ballard or the Ballard session with Toss Fackenthal and then, um, doing, uh, we played a open mic at Connor Byrne and it's mm-hmm. like, that was still to this day, the most powerful performance experience I've had where we sort of opened with this three part harmony acapella thing and the room went totally quiet. And I was like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. So the sound was effective, which was cool. And I, I, I'm wary of like telling this story this way because it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but I'm really fascinated by it. Like, right. <laughs> It's it's that I'm as fascinated as as anybody, um, you know, as an observer. Like it just seemed like that the the sonic quality was effective, and then the narrative was effective, and those two things clicked in in a way that I could have never expected. And I'm so grateful for you know that it just happened, and at least someone was into it, and we've had a really so far a really great run of it. Yeah. So take us through that. Now you've got. Um... Your most recent album is Farther Than Light, is that correct? And yeah. that was uh you put that out in October of last year. So Yeah. Take us through kind of, you know, you've got a little band you've got your your bandmates now and then up to the release of that album. Yeah, so well we made um a first record actually as a band. So the first thing I released was this EP that is no longer available. And then we actually released a few EPs after that that were kind of live recording stuff and those have, those have been shelved, but, um, because we recorded the full length, uh, St. Paul Devance, the self-titled, um, with the original four guys. And we were kind of a four piece, uh, stomped on percussion, you know, shaking a tambourine and a couple acoustic instruments mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. that has evolved. Um, that evolved even before, um, you know, the sound that evolved influenced, the record farther than light, the most recent record rather than making the record and then changing around what we do. Um, right. we had some personnel changes a few years ago. Um, and, uh, a couple of years ago and that changed the sound. Lydia Ramsey came on board vocally. Um, she's brilliant and she also plays a plethora of instruments, including banjo, electric guitar, trumpet, um, and so having a female voice influenced how I was writing songs and how I was hearing the songs and arranging them, I think more arrangement influence from the team, from the band. Uh, and I brought on a drummer and bassist at some point between the first record and the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think pretty early actually after the first record, I think we put out that record in, uh, I don't remember what month it was, but by November or something, January and by November, the end of that year, we had drums and bass on board, um, pretty much full time. Um, and so that, that changed things. We got a little bit, um, the sonic landscape shifted. It got a little bit bigger, I think, um, in a good way, but kept, kept, in my opinion, um, sort of the folksy roots with the banjo and acoustic guitar and harmonies. And I think, 
you know, hopefully other people hear it that way too. I feel like it got, it got a little prettier, a little softer in places mm. it could be softer and it got a little bit edgier in places it could stand to be edgier. And we're still exploring all of that, but farther than light was a really, really cool record to make because we made it, you know, we did a Kickstarter campaign and had amazing support, um, raised uh, a little over $15,000 to make that record. Um, which was, which was basically the goal to be able to go into a, a big studio into London bridge and, and hire and pay appropriately a producer, Michael Cohen, mm-hmm. um, who's a uh, front man for the weather and formerly campfire. Okay. And he's great friend and his production, his producing was just brilliant. He really was able to sort of coach us and steer us and nudge us in ways that, um, or that I never could have done producing it myself. And that was, that was priceless. So that made for a really cool new experience, um, both in our live sound and, and in the record, I think. That's awesome. So I just want to have listeners get to know you a little bit more as a person. And I usually ask people what they do when they're, when they're not doing music, <laughs> I've done my research and I follow you on Instagram. So I know that two of the things you post most often are, uh, sailing pictures and then pictures of your kids. So I know you do a lot of that. So what's, uh, what's your, um, tell me about your kind of your sailing life. Oh gosh. Yeah. Sailing and kids. It's like, sometimes, uh, it's, it's hard to keep focused. Um, especially in the summertime. I, I always, I always joke with my songwriting friends when fall rolls around, it's like, it's songwriting season, you know, it starts to rain and right. <laughs> it's it cold and it's like, all right, time to work creatively i mean i'm always working uh full time overtime on all the on all the management and logistics of this uh band uh financially and otherwise but um but yeah i love to sail uh i have a 28 foot uh sailboat newport 28 from the late 70s and it's just it's just a dream and we just got that boat we had a smaller boat before we got that boat it's big enough for my small family of four to to sleep on and we planning a trip to the San Juans, uh, the San Juan Islands in um, August for two weeks. And, uh, you know, we do some Blake Island trips. There's a little island, Blake Island, down to about hours sail south of us and other little harbors on the island here on Bainbridge. So, yeah, we have a great time. We've just been out crabbing this season and it's really fun with the kids. And I'm I'm sort of a part-time stay-home dad, which I, I joke with people that, um, when you're a part-time stay home parent, you're not good at being, uh, the stay home parent or good at being the worker. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you're just chaotic all the time. My wife and I are both self-employed. So we both have this thing where it's like, wait, are you, do you have the kids for this? No. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, but she has sort of the more structured traditional self-employment work and she does Mm -hmm. really a great job at that. So I'm home with the kids quite a bit more. And in the summer, uh, there's no school and that's the secret they don't tell you until you're a parent is that <laughs> summers are more stressful than the school year because there's no coverage with your kids. Right. So, but we're having a great time. We're home bouncing on trampolines and sailing and chasing the chickens around the yard. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty sweet little life we live out here. I can't complain. Yeah. So, this is might be a good segue into kind of what your your plans are for for the future of the band. Um, you know, it sounds like you've got, as you said, you're a part time stay at home dad. Do you 
how do you guys talk about sort of what you want to do with the band and where you want to bring it? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we've kind of reached the point where um, it's been really organic up to this point, you know, that with the first record, uh, the KEXP, um, that for your listeners who aren't familiar, um, KEXP radio station here in Seattle, um, really great at finding amazing new music and perpetuating other music they already know about and just awesome. Um, people listen to it all over the world. And so they picked up the first record and really loved it and spun it a lot. And they've, they picked up the second record. We've done an in-studio and they play it a bit, not as much as the first I'll say, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay you know, um, they they discover new music, they're into all kinds of stuff and, and everything they've done has been, we've gotten huge opportunities from that. I mean, record sales in Europe, um, and beyond, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. So they've been uh, just massive in our experience. And that was really organic. We didn't really, you can't really push that. They kind of right. find you. So a lot of experiences we've had have been like that. The shows that we play, the, the things that we do, we just did TEDx in Santa Cruz. We did that event presented and performed. And, um, you know, that came to us through being on tour and meeting someone involved and all mm-hmm. this really cool stuff. So now it's kind of gotten to the point where I'm doing a little bit more deliberate work or I that's that's being really um modest I think I'm doing a lot more deliberate work trying (laughs) to to I guess put myself or put us in front of more opportunities you know so it's it's more it's more of a business than a oh this is happening kind of thing um in some ways it all still has to happen you know somewhat organically you can't you can't force any of it but Definitely trying to be on the road a little bit more. We went on the road in October um, with the release of the record last year mm-hmm. um, for 10 days and had an amazingly successful and wonderful time on the road. Just went out as a duo with Lydia and I, and that was really cool. Um, I want to get the whole band on the road. We'd like to go to Europe, uh, support some of the record sales we have there and and sort of get into that market. Yeah, that's That's a dream that I'm working very hard at currently um yeah try i would like to do more festivals we haven't really tapped into the festival thing we've done folk life a couple of years we've done bumbershoot um but there's a lot of festivals nationwide worldwide honestly that i'd like to tap into i think festivals are an amazing experience and um yeah so i want to i'd like to get out there performance wise um without you know, none of us can afford at this point to be on the road, you know, full time, all right. of us commitments at home. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of creative artistic stuff that I want to do also. That's kind of like, you know, I don't want to say too much about, not that it's secret, but it's just not that developed yet. But I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I obviously want to do more recording. There's more music videos I want to work on. Cause I love that process. I love film. Um, or video as it were. Um, and so I love bringing music and, and imagery together. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I want to write songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while or, or yeah. finished any songs in a few months. And so it's really, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. It's sort of a classic track, but it's also like, um, allowing for some of the cool opportunities that have continued to come our way yeah to keep to keep coming we've got some cool opportunities for travel that i really hope will work out i really i love being on the road i don't want to be on the road too long or or too hard and i know a lot of 
people would say, well, you can't do it without that. But I don't know about that. You know, we're all kind of exploring a new music industry. Yeah. Um, but I, I love being out there for sure. I love yeah. performing. That's what, and I think the band loves performing. That's the thing. Like we've had some, the, the last, I'd say four or five shows have been in a really special space for all of us. Like we on stage, just really connecting and having a good time. And we've always connected and had a good time, but I don't know, something has been feeling different. Like we really fallen into a stride and ready to kind of take it to the next level performance wise, which is first and foremost, right. You know, as a performer, it's like, you can't do any of this business stuff if you don't have the craft yeah. <laughs> place, which is sometimes hard to keep track of. Or yeah, for sure. Well, that's awesome. We, we definitely, I think should have you back on the podcast and, in a, in a year or so and, and see where you guys are. Cause it sounds like there's a lot of cool stuff coming up and okay. I hope that, um, that the podcast listeners can go out and, uh, see your live show. I've seen you at Connor Byrne in Seattle a couple of years ago. And then in Portland, we played a show together and also check out farther than light, the new album. But before we go, we're going to play farther than light, which is a song off of the, that album of the same name. Um, Ben, do you want to, intro the song at all say what it's about or kind of how you made it or anything yeah i that song's really special to me um that's why i titled the record <laughs> farther than light and then we also have two versions of the song on that record so that's mm. how much we like it um <laughs> but uh i i started writing a i wanted to write a duet for lydia and i basically like i wanted a song that featured her voice in some of the verses we hadn't really done that yet and so I started writing this song and all of it started coming to me it was kind of still this war theme thing but it didn't really fit my grandfather's story and I I had almost all of the lyricism all of the lyrics done and I was talking to my grandmother on the other side of the family um, and she was telling me again about the story of her brother who he died in World War II uh, as a as an 18 year old Mm. Uh, at D-Day, you know, basically um, getting off the boats, you know, it's like those first boats, those first kids jumping in the water and just basically ducks in the water. Wow. Um, didn't even have a chance to get ashore. And she, he was a, he was a, my grandmother and he, um, you know, they were the only siblings in the family and she was very close with them and looked up to him and they were super close friends and she was friends with all his buddies in the, in the army and all that. And so, um, I think she was 14 or maybe even 12. She was quite a bit younger, but, uh, she was devastated by that experience. And so as she was telling me this story, she, I, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like this is the story I've been writing about. Like, these are the two voices, the, the, you know, the, the female voice and the male voice singing back and forth to each other from the battlefield to the home, you know, and it was kind of this, it almost sounds to me like a, like a letter, or I wrote it that way. Like it's a letter or a series of letters being written back and forth. And from a soldier dying in the field to, to, I thought originally to, you know, a lover back home or whatever. Um, but it, it turned out that I was writing this song, you know, really about my grandmother's experience and it was between a brother and sister writing to each other. So, um, that was really a, a moving experience as a writer. I love those. It's happened to me a couple of times where I feel like I'm writing something and then it reveals what it is, you know, and not to be too sort of crystal rubbing and, 
mythical about it, but I, I mm-hmm. feel like there is something there that's kind of magical when that happens. You're kind of receptive to to whatever's happening and then you're open to letting it tell its story. And it was cool. I got to play it for her when she came to visit. Mm. She was one of the first people to hear it. And uh, it was a cool experience. So anyway, that's awesome. a long, long explanation probably. <laughs> well, now our podcast listeners will be able to hear it. And Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to talk on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll get to do a show together real soon. For sure. And here's Farther Than Light by St. Paul Devance. I am farther than light, farther than pain, farther than all those little things. So leave me where I lay, a ragged pile of bones, left and forgotten, forever unknown. You're right here with me As I am letting go The morning light fades Am I coming That's it for this episode of The Myth of Fingerprints. As always, I'm Jonah Luke. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. To continue the conversation, to learn more about the artists that you just heard, and to suggest an artist for the podcast, head on over to jonahluke.com podcast. If you're on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and review as that helps immensely. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. I'm at Jonah Luke, and I would love to hear from you. See you next time.
you're grinning in your face. This has been a Freedom Podcasting production. For more information, go to freedompodcasting.com.